You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And today, Riley and I are sitting down with Jamie Finch. Jamie is a British musician and game developer who turned his creative hands to the sex industry four years ago with his podcast, Let's Talk About Sex, Jamie. Since then, he has established himself as a key figure in the sex-positive community, advocating for the connection between sexual and mental health. It was an absolute pleasure for us to sit down with Jamie, one, because we haven't really had too many cis males on the podcast speaking about their experiences with sex, and we also really, really appreciated how extremely candid and open Jamie was with his struggles with sex addiction. So this episode was super eye-opening, also really funny, and you guys are absolutely going to love it. So here you go. Hey, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. This has been in the, like, in the, we've been trying to make this happen for like months. We have been plotting. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ever since we were, were going to be, are going to be, were on your podcast. (laughs) Are going to be, are going to be. I think you're out soon, actually. I, I record all my stuff, like, way ahead of time, so I chat to people. We, like, become friends. It's great, and then nothing happens on my podcast for months because I'm getting, like, a backlog of episodes out. But you guys are coming out soon, I think. Oh, yeah, we, exactly. In the next couple of episodes. We got canned, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, delete all. Uh, <laughs> no, well, you guys are coming soon. I think this one's coming out probably, like, late November, early December, so... Hopefully we'll be able to. Cool. Maybe it'll sync up. Oh my god, <laughs> it might like happen at the same time. Proud of us. Do you like a double promote release? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be what like intelligent people who know how to promote podcasts would do, right? Yeah, not us, nice for but them. like that would be the plan for others. Yeah, yeah, that must be nice. Uh, <laughs> so something that we talked about on your podcast, and you're quite open about it on your podcast, is sex addiction, hmm. and I feel like that term obviously gets tossed around quite a bit. Um, especially in our industry. So do you mind telling listeners, in your words, what sex addiction is? Yeah, so sex um, is actually not clinically recognized as an addiction, but uh, I say I like to say sex addiction um, because I just think it's the kind of term that everyone is a bit more f- aware of. Um, the actual term is compulsive sexual behavior disorder, and it's essentially uh, the lack of kind of impulse control uh, around things like sex. Uh, it can include porn, masturbation, orgasms in general, um, love, affection, uh, stuff like that. So it's quite a, a broad thing. Um, my my experience with sex addiction is uh, mostly around uh, kind of getting validation through sex, uh, which we'll get into. I won't start now. But <laughs> yeah, that's the broad term. So what are some common signs and symptoms of uh, sex addiction? So I think that's a hard question because obviously everyone's different. Um for me, when I kind of realized that there was probably a problem, um, I was, I actually, it was actually one hookup in particular. So I used to like, I've, I've always been quite like sexually active and pursued it quite a lot. Um, and when I, I was like traveling to like the other side of London in the middle of the night when I had work the next morning to get with someone that I didn't really like that much. Uh, wasn't very nice to me <laughs> and I kind of we had sex and I just left immediately afterwards and then on like the tube back I was like huh that 
I'm not entirely sure why I did that. And it kind of made me think like, okay, I'm going to go and like figure this out. I like, figure out why I did that. Um, and that led into like this whole spiral of kind of, Oh, I've had loads of sex that I don't really want. Actually. I'm just pursuing it to like feel, feel validated and feel better about myself. So that was my thing. Um, since I've started talking about it, I've seen and heard of loads of people, my friends, um, people that listen to the podcast that have messaged me saying that they've realized that they may have an unhealthy relationship with sex. Um, but again, like everyone's experience is different. So I don't want to say that there are like, here are the top four signs that you're a sex addict. I just think it's like, what, the reason why I like talking about it is because I want people to kind of think, stop and think why they might be pursuing sex. Um, and like the reasons for that. So, you know, it could be, uh, an example I always give is like, if you're kind of going out, um, you know, for a night out with your friends and everyone gets like done up and they all look really nice and you have a great time with your friends. And some, some of you pull, some of you go back to, you know, someone's house, some of you don't. Um, but I, the example I give for this is because I went out with a friend who felt like they're, them looking good and them like being done up was kind of wasted because they didn't pull on the night out and they didn't kind of have someone to go back to afterwards. So they ended up hitting up an ex that they didn't like that much and went back to his house and, you know, had sex because they felt, they felt like it was kind of giving them a reason to, to look that good that night. So that was, that's kind of like a sign that I think is a good one to look out for is like, you know, can, does your, does your kind of like night feel complete? Um, if you, you know, don't have sex, if you don't hook up with someone, um, and just other like unhealthy kind of, you know, habits, I guess, like, can you masturbate without porn is a good sign, you know, uh, if, if you have a problem with, like, with uh, porn addiction or, you know, how long can you go without thinking about masturbating? That's another thing that can kind of signify a problem with, yeah, masturbation, all that stuff. I bet approximately 99% of the female identifying people listening to this, when they, you said that, they were like, wait, I also have driven to go fuck a guy I fucking hate and who is not very nice to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, and it happens the other way around. Like, I, I've done it with girls as well. I've, I've hooked up with loads of girls that like I don't like. I've spoken to girls for ages that I fucking hate. They're really horrible to me, but I'm, I'm like pursuing it because like, oh, they're pretty hot actually. Like, you know, I should get them to like me because they're super hot and that will make me feel that more valued, you know? Um, so I think like I wouldn't say that, you know, someone who – who pursues people that, you know, they don't necessarily like to, in order for them to feel better about themselves. It's not necessarily a sex addict. You know, you're not straight there. I just think that's maybe a sign of things that like, maybe you just be aware of, you know? Definitely. Um, so obviously, like you said, that kind of made you realize that maybe there's a problem there. Uh, you know, when you're kind of self-checking and you're like, hey, I didn't even really want to go do that. What, what impulsively made mm. me go do that? Uh, what was the process of getting the help for it? Um, so I went to, um, I got therapy. Um, I go through BetterHelp, um, who actually endorsed my podcast. So I'm going to plug them, uh, betterhelp.com forward slash let's talk about sex. Jamie, you get 10% off if you sign up using that link. Um, so I went through them, uh, which is basically like, it's actually American counselors. Um, and they have all kinds of like specializations on there, like, you know, for addiction and, uh, family therapy and, uh, anxiety, CBT, all that stuff. Um, so I did that. Uh, and I've been, I've had weekly therapy for like four years now. I, I think I've only missed two weeks in the four years I've been doing therapy. Um, so I've been sticking to that. Um, so that was what I did to, to help. I know there are other, there are organizations over here. There's one called SLAR, which is, uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, um, which 
provide, you know, uh, a 12 step program for sex and love addicts. I, there's a bit of controversy about that because what I said at the start about, um, sex addiction, not being recognized as like clinically as an addiction, uh, 12 step programs tend to not be what people recommend. Um, I don't know if anyone's done a 12 step program, but it's pretty heavy. Uh, it's pretty deep and, uh, it's like kind of, <laughs> I thought you were whistling. I thought that yeah. siren was you whistling. I was like, whoa, this story must be real boring. Where is like, wrap like, it up, Jamie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you were, go on. Sorry. We just live in um, downtown. <laughs> downtown. There's just like constant sirens, constant people inconveniently yeah. dying <laughs> during our podcast. During so. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, it's so rude, right? Uh, yeah. Back um, to you. Yeah. So yeah, Sex Love Alex Anonymous is a twelve-step program for um, addiction. Twelve-step programs work really well for drug and alcohol addiction stuff like that. Um, sex, uh, you know, uh, sex, sexual health practitioners don't recommend it for um, sex addiction because twelve-step uh, programs are kind of they're quite steeped in like shame and religion, um, and yeah, they they work for addictions, not for compulsive sexual behavior disorders. And the example being for me, you know, I didn't need a twelve-step program to get through my recovery. I just needed um, to find out like the real reasons I was pursuing sex, which, as I mentioned, is yeah, was for validation. So you mentioned before that you know if you start to realize that you're having sex that you didn't really want I feel like you know as Danica said before that's something that quite a few of us do so what was kind of the realization for you that it was a bigger problem rather than just like you know yeah I guess yeah. Where, that, where that line is of like like I like I joke you know a lot of women will have sex and then they don't like or who are mean to them I think that comes mm. from a different yeah, maybe a, a different, different problem. Different problem that <laughs> we can unpack on later. Date. Problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, daddy issues. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for me, I was doing it a lot, and mm. I and I thought that was a problem. Um, yeah, I was pursuing people that weren't very very nice to me, uh, and I was also sleeping with the wrong people. You know, I was I was getting with like friends' exes, and uh, you know, I would sort of get with exes, my, my own exes, quite often. So I was like, oh, these are people I don't really want to be having sex with, so maybe I should check in on that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you saying about, like, a lot of women, you said 99% uh, of women listening to this would have had sex with someone they don't like. I'm not saying that's, like, that's just the gateway drug to addiction. I'm not saying that, but, like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, question it. Uh, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's going to lead to you saying, oh, I, I have an addiction, but why are you doing that? Why are you pursuing sex with people that you don't like? There's probably other reasons at play there that you should probably look into I think yeah definitely yeah for sure so I know there's a lot of theories on like the causation of sexual behaviors Mm. is there something you believe that would have like in quotes caused your sex addiction mine yeah mine was validation so I um when I was younger my dad put a lot of value into sex so like if I was going out to play, you know, football or to go around a friend's house to play Xbox, or whatever, and I come and like perfectly normal things for teenage boys to be doing, especially a nerd like me. Um, and I'd come back and it, and I'd, be, I'd been gone for a while. He'd be like, "Oh, so did you go around a girl's house then? Did you uh, get with a girl?" Or if he's like driving past me when I'm walking home, walking home from school, and I'll be and I'm with a girl, he'll then like question me and like be like, "Oh, look, just like your dad, just like your dad, you're like you know hanging out with girls all the time." I think it kind of put like quite a lot of value into into girls for me. 
And especially when I was like a teenager, I was, well, still, still am. I'm, I was terrified. I was scared of everything. I'm so nervous, so anxious. I was half the time that like the only thing I felt like I was really good at, especially in like my dad's eyes was getting with girls. Um, and you, we all know about, you know, the societal pressures on guys to be chasing girls. And it's always about like, you know, you have to try and convince as many girls to have sex with you as possible. Um, so I was just about like putting my number up and just like, yeah, if I have sex with loads of people, that means I'm worth something. And then you get to, 20 when was I 27 28 and realize oh wait I still hate myself uh it just uh, temporarily disappears when a hot girl wants to touch me um so yeah that was I think that's where mine came from <laughs> so I'm not not laughing at you I'm just I'm just pitching the visual <laughs> oh, I'm like the hot girl wants to touch my baby <laughs> no, like the hot girl hand touches your penis <laughs> like sailor moon-esque visuals happen <laughs> <laughs> the power of a hot girl hand uh, uh no i do think that's interesting that we joked about like daddy issues but that's a part of uh psychology mm. that really intrigues me is uh how much parental figures can you know in essence really really fuck us up mm-hmm. uh i was talking to my dad about that last week and i was saying you know i think he was reflecting back on his parenting and 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 how his parents treated him and then and down the line i was saying you know I think we just try to do better than our parents did. And I think they hopefully yeah. try to do better than their parents do. But it's kind of scary when you think of mm-hmm. it. You know, these 20, 30-year-old people are just having kids. And then once we get to their age, we're like, wow, we're just trying to figure fucking life out too. And, like, <laughs> they really don't know what the fuck they're doing half the time. And, and the off yeah. of remarks, like, I'm sure your dad, I would hope, didn't make those comments in an attempt to, you know, fuck you up or, you know, cause issues for you. Your dad's like rubbing his tiny hands together. Yeah, your dad's like, I will fuck this child up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make the perfect fucking machine. (laughs) You will fuck all the hot girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was phenomenal. My dad's an incredible, an incredible dad. It was just, and and the stuff he was saying, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was, uh, it was, obviously it wasn't malicious, but like it wasn't all that damaging. It was just, you know, that coupled with societal pressure Mm -hmm. of like, you know, the way to be a man is to fuck loads of girls mm-hmm. was, it was just the core of my, like, it's all I was good at. It's all, it's all I had. And I wasn't really good at anything else until I was like 19, 20. And I, I started a band which did quite well. And then that just comes with a whole fucking load more of validation. Like it was just my, my entire, all of my twenties were based on two things, success in music and success of fucking girls. And it's just the perfect combination for, yeah, like, I was just gonna say, you're just missing the drugs part, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> no, I was too, too much of a nerd to ever try drugs, drugs, too scared. It's a combination of like, this is this is how you feel valued, you know, is if you surround yourself by these people that you know look up to you, adore you, or you know, want to touch you, <laughs> want to touch your pee pee. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the comments that your dad makes or or made kind of remind me of the way that uh, m- some mums use their daughters to, like, live vicariously through them, like, l- like mm. reminisce on, like, the younger days. And you see it in dance mums oh, and, God, like, yeah. pageant mums, like, a lot. Like, things that they mm. <laughs> did and don't do anymore or things that they couldn't do, you sort of, like, see that reflection. Um, I think you, like, internalize it. Like, yeah. even as I was saying to my mom, she was like, you know, I wonder why you have such body dysmorphia. And I was like, started laughing. And she's like, what's so funny? I was like, you wonder, you wonder why I have body dysmorphia? My entire childhood, you'd comment on how you were 80 pounds your entire 20s and 30s. Like, no wonder your daughter right, has body yeah. dysmorphia. And of course, like your father, she didn't say those comments 
like maliciously or with ill intent, but way we internalize it compared and, and sorry, paired with how society also mm-hmm. puts those pressures on us, we kind of form this this kind of ideal of what uh, what we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to be achieving. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't think definitely, like. Yeah. I, I didn't mean like, uh, you know, I think that parents do it with the intent of like, you can have this and I wanted it and I did mm-hmm. or didn't get it. Right. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Cause my, that's actually bang on because my dad would use the context of him and my mum as like a reason why he wasn't doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like that came up a lot. Your mum's doing for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he, him saying that like, he got married he got married had kids and stuff it was like the end of his fun so his his advice to us he, we like they had a really bad divorce super bad divorce when i was like just turning into a teenager um turning into a teenager i make it sound like i'm a pokemon evolving <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah so it, and it was hor- it was horrific and so his like life advice his dad advice all he had for me was um don't do that like don't settle down just like have fun and enjoy it don't have kids don't get married um, and yeah, it's only until very recently that I realized that yeah, would have been quite damaging. I think probably pushed, pushed me down that path. So I'm you're s- wild out. I'm sorry. I love it when parents like look at their children and they're like, do not have kids. Oh, that's why mom said all the time. She's <laughs> like, it's so regrettable. You're like what? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you ruined my life. <laughs> you ruined everything. <laughs> my biggest regret, you. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, parents are great. Anyway, um, so we recently read a book called The Chemistry Between Us. We read this a few months back. And super interesting book, kind of about the psychology of attraction and um, and gender identity and sexual identity um, and love development and all, and all that. And it's super, super interesting read. And they, they talked about sex addiction briefly. And they claimed that, <clears throat> that it really isn't a problem that it's a manifestation of OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder that, for example, they gave was masturbating five times a day. It's not really about the actual masturbation. It's about achieving the five times a day. Um, so what's your, mm-hmm. this kind of, kind of comes into what you're saying about compulsion. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, we're, we're interested in your, what your take on that would be. I'm sure, I'm sure there are people that are like, I want to masturbate, you know, as many times a day as I can just to get the number up. And that's like a thing that I want to achieve today. I'm sure that's a thing. I haven't met anyone like that. I've met people, I've met porn addicts. Um, and you know, I am a sex addict. Uh, and I, I think it's not about the numbers all, all the time. Um, the, yeah, I know, I know porn addicts that would masturbate like five, six times a day, each time being like two hours long. Um, and they weren't, happy about the amount they weren't like yeah all right new personal best new high score right on the wall like they were just like no i just wanted to do it that many times that day um and i could but i had the opportunity to so i don't know i mean yeah i'm sure there are people that do it for the numbers but i think there are i mean this is a it's a spectrum right this is a huge spectrum sex addiction is just covers so much um like you can be where i am on you know sex addict or you can be love addict i've met someone who is an affection addict um, and yeah, I just think it comes in all different shapes and sizes, you know, um, there's a big cry out at the moment for the whole sex addiction is not real thing. Um, and it's being powered by the clinicians, the actual educated people, uh, who know what they're talking about saying that it's not, like I said at the start, it's not seen as an addiction. It's not classified as an addiction. It's a compulsive sexual behavior disorder. Um, but that message is getting muddied up by, well, I think of fuckboys using it as an excuse. 
So when I first started talking about my sex addiction, I met loads of people who said, oh yeah, I know someone who had a sex addiction. He cheated on his girlfriend and then used that as an excuse. Or like my sister's boyfriend cheated on her and said he had a sex addiction and then they got through it together and then he cheated on her again. And just like all these things. I heard so many examples. I heard way more examples of people, of guys using sex addiction after they'd like cheated or done something bad. Um, I didn't really hear any examples of guys that identified that they might have a problem with sex and then sought help, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's the real problem here, I think. Rather than, let's not worry about so much, is it real or not? You know, is it an addiction? Is it a compulsive sexual behavior disorder? Is it OCD? Uh, people are doing it and people are saying that there's a, there's a problem. So I want to take the problem really fucking seriously, basically. That's, that's my thing. I think that's really important as well. Like, I... It kind of sounds like it's the same sort of spectrum as OCD separately as well, right? Like, I'm um, diagnosed with OCD. If you see my room, Mm -hmm. it is not the typical um, OCD, like, organized. It's not about that for me. It's not about counting for me. But I do have to, like, rigorously check things. And, like, I am, you know, like, I won't go into my symptoms. But it it is important to kind of recognize not just what the stereotypical signs and symptoms are of OCD or um, obsessive-compulsive sexual disorder? From where It's hard, right? (laughs) Compulsive sexual disorder. I had to really learn that. I had to practice it. CSDS, I think he's saying. Compulsive sexual disorder. Compulsive sexual behavior disorder. CSBD. CSBD, yeah. That's the acronym. But yeah, I do... do, think that it's really important to kind of take everything into consideration. And I feel like people in the OCD community really struggle with the same thing that, you know, you just voiced there of of people doing something, what, you know, and saying that it's OCD to seem quirky or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I've got OCD. I like things in a straight line. Like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, my room's my house is so tidy. I'm so OCD. Yeah, yeah you hear that a lot. Does it ruin yeah. your life? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have to wash your times your hands thirty five times a day, and yeah. you've got raw skin out uh, every time of the year? Like, yeah. Are you late that's, to like so critically important exams because you had to go back and check your hair straightener that you didn't even use? Like, <laughs> the struggle is real. Uh, so obviously, kind of what we're touching on already is that sex addiction seems very different from other types of addictions with uh, different vices. Mm. So, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you stop drinking. If you're a drug addict, you stop doing drugs. Sex is obviously still a very normal part of life for most people and most relationships. <laughs> um, so you can't really, I assume, ask a sex addiction to just never have sex again. <laughs> so how do you navigate still indulging in your vices without kind of you know, for lack of a better term, relapsing. Yeah. Okay. Your question is perfectly timed. Perfectly timed. Uh, I just, I just realized that I had my first relapse like this week. Um, and I've been air quotes in recovery for three years. And it's the first time it's happened. So this is a good time to ask. Um, yeah, exactly. Like when you're, when you're an alcoholic, it's about here, we're going to help you get down to a point where you never drink again. Same with drugs. Sex, it's like we need to get you down to a point where you're having a selfie. A selfie? A selfie. <laughs> we are just taking selfies instead of getting late. Yeah. Where you've got a healthy, healthy attitude with sex. Um, so, yeah, it's slightly different. And that's another reason why 12-step programs don't work. Because 12-step programs rely on sobriety contracts and um, sponsors and stuff like that. 
Uh, and that does help a lot of people. I've started going to SLA. I realized that if I'm going to start um, slagging off SLA, I should probably start going to them. So I've been going to them for four weeks now, um, which is SLA, Sex and Love, Addicts Anonymous. Um, and there are people there that are really, they're really benefiting from it and they're benefiting from the celibacy. And I, I've been trying celibacy recently. So I've been celibate for a, coming up to a month now um, just to see if it will help, um, you know, just try some stuff out. I'll try anything once, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I did, I did, I had a three and a half really great years of solid recovery without celibacy. I was still having a lot of sex more than the average amount of sex, but it was, for me, it was about having sex for the right reasons, not because I felt sad because it got to the point where like, I'm a bit depressed or I'm feeling ugly and I would like reach for my phone and start messaging someone. I was like, wait, no, this is where I need to stop. So that was, that was my like bottom line. Um, but yeah, with the, with the relapse, like, I realized it, it happened a while ago, like a few months ago, and I've only just realized that that, that, that had happened because um, I didn't really know about like slips and relapses in sex addiction. I didn't think it was a real thing. I thought relapse was something that happened to alcoholics. Um, but I realized that, yeah, a few months ago, maybe maybe more towards the start of the year, I had started messaging people that I didn't like that much, um, didn't find attractive, weren't very friendly to me, um, and I, but I was still pursuing them because it was like they were hot or because, you know, I wanted their attention or something, or I was just horny. And that was the, that was the thing as well. I, I would like be like wanking in the evening and then I'd message people like, you know, the classic you up, whatever. Um, they wouldn't reply till the morning. And in the morning, now I'm not, now I'm not horny anymore. It's the next morning. I'm getting all these replies from people that I messaged the night before. And I'm like, Oh, fucking hell, I didn't actually want to message those people. And I just kind of played that off as like, Oh, that's funny. isn't it? But, um, yeah, now I'm now I'm talking to my counselor about addiction stuff again. I'm realizing that it was a relapse, and that was that was my version of a relapse anyway. Because my thing is, yeah, I message people that I, that aren't very nice to me <laughs> to have sex with them. Um, but everyone's going to be different, you know. Some people can do that, and and it's like not a big deal for them. Uh, but then other people just want to abstain from sex for months, um, and that's what helps them recover. So, yeah, it is it is different though. Like you say, you know, it doesn't really compare to alcohol and drug addiction in that way. I think it's really awesome that you sort of recognize that and you're working on it, that as well. And, you know, I relapsing is like, is, is really difficult and it, it does suck when you feel like you've been doing so well for so long. <laughs> yeah. Um, it feels so like just, a reset. Yeah. yeah. But I just want to commend you on like recognizing that and like being honest about that with yourself and, and working on it. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really hard. And like I say, it's brand new. <laughs> it happened this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I need to come to terms with that. But, yeah, it's, it's hard. And, let, like, yeah, you're right. The relapse feels like you've gone back to zero. Your counter's been reset. Um, but with the SLA stuff I've been doing and therapy, I kind of have learned that, like, a relapse, for a lot of people, a lot of addicts, relapse can be the, the most important part of recovery because you've gone so far, you've realized that you can slip. And then, then now I'm going to go forward with the knowledge that I can slip, you know, and the knowledge of like what these flags are. And like, I've got some flags in the sand where I'm like, right, okay, if I start messaging this person at this time, that means I'm probably slipping and I should stop. So I'm thankful it happened. Um, yeah. I wish I'd have caught it sooner. But. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think a lot of people with like mental health issues and who have gone through any type of like addiction and, you know, I see the same trends in my eating disorder and I think, uh, Danica, you do as well. Is like, it. It's not something that mental health is not something that you are typically cured from. It's something that you mm. sort of have to like keep working at. And so yeah. I, yeah, 
I don't know. I just, you just can't be too hard on yourself. Right. Cause like it is just something <laughs> that you have to keep working on to keep at bay. Um, and it's, yeah, yeah for right. most people, it's not something that's going to just disappear. Yeah, definitely. I, I was like guilty of that until about six months ago, maybe like as early as that. Like I say, I've had weekly counseling for four years and then loads of counseling before then. And I, up until like in the last year, I was like, when's the part where I'm like healthy? Like, where's the part where I'm fixed? Where's Cause I really want to get to the part now. <laughs> yeah. I've spent thousands of pounds on counseling. I'm fucking done with it now. Can I just be a nice person now? I shouldn't be a functioning human. And <laughs> I was, I had to be reminded by my counselor, like, no, it's not quite how it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's a process. You learn to live with these things rather than, you know, run away from them, which, yeah, is is as terrifying as it is exciting, I think. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of being said, another question we had is kind of how, you know, in quotes, fragile is the recovery? Um, you know, like are our dates or going on dates or having sex, is it, does it trigger it? Does it kind of like, you know, for lack of a mm. better phrase, take you back a few steps? Like, I, I'm just thinking if I was in a, like, I, mean, I love love. <laughs> I love affection. Yeah. Um, so if I was in a room, especially of, like, men I found attractive who also love affection, I'd be like, here's my number. <laughs> like, like, yeah. but I think that would, like, trigger me for sure, being in a room of sexy people who love sex and love. I feel like that's yeah, such that's a the, movie trope the, about the, sex addiction as well. It's like, <laughs> like fucking in the closet. <laughs> yeah, I... I find that a problem with the SLA stuff because you're having like you're having like a you know a roundtable meeting. Thankfully, they're all over Zoom during the pandemic, so I've just been doing Zoom ones. But I'm looking, and there's like there's like hot people there, guys and girls. Like, and you're seeing you have to have webcam on. That's the rules, and you can see them. <laughs> and then at the end, they say uh, you know put your phone numbers in the chat if you want to if you want people to reach out to you and talk to you, like to share it, which is what they're doing. Alcoholics Anonymous and Drug Addicts Anonymous. Um, but I'm like, that's the fucking worst combination ever. And in my first meeting, my first slum meeting, I was looking, and there were some really hot girls there. So when it came to my turn to like talk, you're supposed to talk deeply and openly about your feelings. I started like putting on an act. I started like be, like playing for laughs and was like telling jokes and like checking that they were laughing at my jokes. They were all laughing at my jokes, and I was like, oh, that felt really good when I finished. I was, like, really glad I made those girls laugh instead of <laughs> really glad I shared in this fucking vulnerable, safe space. You know what I mean? And at the end, they put their phone numbers in the chat for everyone, and I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Like, I have to leave now. But I've heard loads of stories about people going to SLA and like hooking up afterwards. It's fucking crazy. It's like going to Alcoholics Anonymous and then meeting up at the pub after for yeah. a debrief. Like, it's just- yeah, I feel like it's like the, the phone number thing would be like, you know, drug, drug, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, can you put your dealer's number in the list? <laughs> <laughs> like, throw your dealer's number in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's wild. But yeah, how does, uh, yeah. how does like going on, going on dates work or just having, having sex in general when you're trying to recover? How is it like dating as a sex addict? Yeah, well, I mean, everyone will give you a different answer, I think. I'm talking to a lot of people right now that, they are celibate, they're practicing celibacy and they like go to the parties and they see guys and they get their numbers and like they decide they want to talk to them and they have to like then come to SLA and talk about it and be like, hey, so I met this guy and like da da da. Um, that's not for me. I don't like that so much, but I think that's because I'm aware that I don't think celibacy is the answer. Not for me anyway. I'm trying it now just to see how it feels. It feels quite good actually. I would recommend like a little bit of temporary celibacy, like for like three months to see how it feels it feels really good Do, to me so far i might change my mind but when you're a celibate are you not masturbating either then or is it i am some people don't some people don't but i am because my addiction is 
based on people's opinions of me. Yeah, right. I, I think for me, I think masturbation is fine because yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not feeling good about myself when I masturbate, so it's okay. <laughs> Here's like, sure what's it called? Uh, what's it called? Chetching or whatever? When you like use your, when you cry and masturbate? Oh, uh, crank. Cry wank. Is that what you call it? Cry wank. Oh, I think it's called chetching Cry- or something cranking. here. I don't know. We call it. A, a, yeah, I think a it's chetching. Oh, right, okay. A crying, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we call it cranking. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've not gone that far yet. If I start crying while I'm wanking, then maybe I'll take a break from that as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, everyone's answer is different. My, for me, it's all about, um, I don't want to pursue people that I don't like and I don't want to have sex that I feel like I need rather than sex that I want. So um, for my, my recovery was pretty smooth, I think, because my boundaries are quite loose. You know, it was just, you know, stop getting with fuck girls uh, and you'll be fine. And that pretty much, you know, was okay. But Leah, like I say, everyone's different. You know, everyone's got kind of different bottom lines and, you know, some people don't want to watch porn ever again. And that's, you know, if they do watch porn, they consider it a slip. Right. So something that we've talked about on the podcast before, and we've talked in our private lives about is how sex work intermingles with sex addiction. If sex addiction, addicted people are using sex workers, is that a good thing, bad thing, et cetera? Um, just kind of contemplated that. So, for yourself, yeah. what do you what do you what are your takes on that? That is really interesting because usually when I'm talking to people about sex addiction, or sorry, when, when I'm talking to other addicts, escorts come up a lot, and it's usually the point at which they realise they've gone too far, which I always find quite interesting. So, like, maybe that's because I haven't dipped my toes there. I've never been with an escort before, but I have heavily considered it while going through recovery. Because again, for me, it's about like, I want you to want to have sex with me because that will make me feel good. You don't get that with an escort. Like I could pay an escort and it doesn't matter if they want to or not. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not about the validation. It's just about the act itself. And like, it's a transactional thing. So for me, that kind of, I feel like that would lie outside of my boundaries. I would, I personally, I'd be allowed to do that. I'm just fucking broke, so I can't afford escorts. But then for other people, you know, the validation part isn't even a thing for them. It's just they're pursuing sex. You know, maybe they're cheating on their wives with escorts or they're going to strip clubs, you know, when their girlfriends don't want them to. Um, So it depends where everyone's barriers are. I just think we need to be not, you know, we need to be not cheating, we need to be not breaking rules with people that we've made. um, And, yeah, where sex workers lie in that I think everyone's kind of limit is, is different. I mean, I've got a sex podcast, fuck's sake. I'm pretty sex worker positive. So it's like, I can't, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, they're, they're the reason we're addicts. No, Damn them being so fucking hot. <laughs> For sure. It is kind of that, like, it is something that we've contemplated or talked about as sort of a moral dilemma in like, I think a lot of people like to blame sex workers for still, mm. Um, having sex addicts as clients or married men or married men or anything like that. But like, you know, the same with, um, you know, alcohol addicts, it's not the bartender's job to like ask you what your, Mm. your like mental health history is. If you have a problem and it's not like, you know, it's not their job to like ask if their wife knows where they are or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good analogy, I think. Yeah. I've always had problems with that. Like, even before the addiction stuff, um, yeah, like, 
it's why is it the sex workers' fault that they're that someone's husband has gone to them? I don't think it really matters. Like I think if if they know that and it's their own moral thing, like you know, you might not want to have sex with someone who's married. Then fair enough. It's, I think it's your it's your prerogative, you know. Um, yeah, I've always found it weird that the blame lands on the sex worker. I mean, that just shows like systemic hate towards sex workers. Anyway, it comes across in every part of fucking society. So it's just same old, same old, you know. Definitely. So as you said, you have your own podcast. Um, let's mm. talk about sex, Jamie. And every time I say that, I want, <laughs> that the name. song comes out. <laughs> so what made you want to start that? Um, so I've always been interested in sex. <laughs> surprise, surprise. We've just been talking about me being a fucking addict. Um, I've always been interested in sex, but always been interested in like a kind of, I'm not, I'm not very kinky. I am pretty vanilla. Um, I always have been, I'm slightly less vanilla now. Um, having done the podcast for four or five years, I've been collecting stories, releasing them for two. Um, but, uh, I, I'd say I'm like, now I've gone from vanilla at the start to like slightly above vanilla. So like I say Madagascan vanilla. Um, uh, but the reason I started the podcast in the first place was because I met some people on dating apps who were just into, you know, the kink and BDSM world. And like, I got chatting to this girl who was like, oh, yeah, I fucking love Bukaki. She was telling me all about that. Met people that went to sex parties. And I was just like, this is great. Like, because whenever you watch like a documentary, at least over here in the UK anyway, if you watch a documentary about like a sex party, it's all very much like, look at those weirdos over there. They go to this big house and they all fuck each other's wives. Look how weird that is. And it's all very, like, it's got a point, you know, it's all from that angle. And when I was talking to these, these guys who are, you know, my age, they're not like older people that are swinging. They're just people my age going to sex parties. Um, I was like, Oh, this is like really cool. It actually is way more like more approachable than you think when you talk to people that are just your friends that go there. So, um, I did the classic thing that any millennial would do and just was like, oh my God, I should start a podcast. And I fucking did it. Uh, <laughs> we just released episode 50. So I'm committed now. I'm in. I'm doing it. It's happening, guys. We've got a YouTube channel coming out as well in a couple of weeks. So yeah, it's all fucking legit now. I can't escape it. <laughs> you done People have seen it. you. They've heard you. They know where you are. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was on TV the other day talking about threesomes. And so... Oh, really? Like proper TV, like real TV, yeah, giving threesome advice. Um, well, I was kind of talking about how badly they can go. It was it was called <laughs> My First Threesome, and they, they asked us to go in there and talk about our first threesome. And mine wasn't very good. My, mine was like, my girlfriend at the time didn't really want to do it, but said she did to like make me happy. Uh, and then we did it, and it was just awful. And uh, yeah, ended really badly. But it's fine. We laugh about it now. It's all good. I asked for her permission to go on TV and talk about it. She was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so gone from like just matching with people on dating apps to ask them about their weird stories to now being on TV talking about my weird stories, which is terrifying. <laughs> so I think one conversation that we've had is that you wanted to sort of start your or you your podcast is like to have healthier um, conversations around sex with men. Is that? Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I think I start when we spoke. I was starting to do that um, because I realized like it was really easy for me to get women on the podcast. Um, really easy. So I, I've probably interviewed like, I don't know, like 150 women for the podcast. I think I've interviewed about five guys. Um, I've had about 30 guys say they want to do it and then pull out last minute. Um, so <laughs> it, I, I just found it like really Unintended, cool. no? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with that. Um, with me? No, so I'm not going to let you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I found it really hard to find guys to talk about sex. Um, but I found that like the, now I'm doing it like quite, you know, pretty much full time the podcast now when I, it comes up in conversation a lot with my guy friends and it's so easy to just like introduce them to a world they never would have thought of like sex toys for men. Um, or just sex toys in general, it's just buying a sex toy for their girlfriends. Um, it's just an alien concept to a lot of my guy friends. And I was like, I just realized, you know, the podcast has been going for a while now. We've done 50 episodes. My audience, people that listen are 80% female. Um, which is great. It's amazing. Obviously, the sex positivity movement has been has been very female led, which makes it a very fucking scary area to jump into. By the way, as a cis straight white guy, uh, <laughs> probably rightly so. Uh, but like, I, there's a lot of women in this space, and you guys are all hyping each other up, and you're hyping me up as well. I, I work with loads of amazing women that really appreciate me being here, and they help support me. Um, but where are the guys at? Where are the fucking guys at? And there's a problem over here. There's a fucking epidemic over here. I don't know. You might not know. Maybe the news doesn't travel. But there's been a lot of uh, rape and murders of women in London um, and around London. Uh, and it's starting to make more headlines than it, than it used to, partially because the victims recently have been young white women, which makes it a lot easier to make headlines. But in between all those headlines, there are... I think it's the statistic was something like 25 women uh, were raped and murdered in between these two like murders that made headlines in three months of each other at the start of this year. Um, it started with Sarah Everard, um, who you might know about. I hope you do, but you might not. I don't know how the news works over there. Um, but there's a, there's a problem with men and like their like approach to sex over here. And, you know, I'm not saying that sex positivity is going to cure rape and all this shit but there's a big problem with toxic masculinity and i think part of part of the fight against toxic masculinity and this like horrific male-led like lad culture is sex positivity i think that um the more guys kind of open their minds up and the more that girls help us get the conversation to guys um about this kind of stuff the just the better the world will be in general, you know? I'm still struggling to find guys to come on, as I was when I last spoke to you. I couldn't find anyone to come on. I'm finding, I've got a lot more now, though. There, there's going to be loads on the YouTube channel, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, growing up, we only, I only really heard, like, locker room talk um, between guys talking about sex or nothing at all. And I think us as yeah. sex workers, we really hear, like, the worst of the worst. Like, men just feel Maybe, like yeah. they can speak so horribly to us we're just like soundboards um mm. having your like a more positive conversation around sex with the men that you have what have been some sort of surprising takeaways or concerns or areas of nuance that you've kind of learned from them like having those mm. positive conversations that's, I really like that question. That's good. That's making me think. I think the first one is, is the sex toys stuff. That, let's start light. Uh, the sex toys, like uh, there's a bunch of male sex toys out there um, and there's a lot of couple sex toys and guys still have this mentality of uh, a sex toy is a replacement for you. So they don't want to buy that sort of stuff. And I, I think I'm trying to like push the message that, you know, sex toys are tools for the bedroom, not replacements. You can use one and have way more fun with your partner and it makes you more fun. It makes the whole session more fun. Like it shouldn't be seen as a replacement. Um, so I guess, I guess that's one thing. Um, yeah. And just to, to, <laughs> the general, like the general vibe of like using butt toys on guys is gay. That needs to go. Yeah. Uh, we need to get rid of that. 
Um, I think that's getting slightly better, but it's still a big, a big sell. Um, yeah. So I think sex toys is, is that that's one. I think another thing is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about what porn is doing to people. Um, and like what kind of fantasies it's putting in people's heads, um, which on its own is a bit of a ridiculous statement, I think, because the fantasies are already in our heads. Uh, that's, that's who the people that made the porn, they have the fantasies. <laughs> but I think that there's this kind of view on how we used to view video games where like people thought that video games made you violent. You know, if you played Grand Theft Auto and shot a bunch of people and stole cars, it'd make you want to go outside and shoot a bunch of people and steal cars. Um, I think we're past that now. That was a while ago. And I think that we need that kind of conversation to happen around porn. Um, there uh, there's i hear a lot of stories of guys that you know like maybe go a bit too far in the bedroom without following proper consent and talking about boundaries and stuff like that because they're kind of replicating what they've seen in porn the one thing that the message i kind of want to get out there with talking to guys is you can have your cake and eat it you can have these experiences that you want you know that you see in porn um but they need to be in a safe and like consensual way and communicate it properly um, I don't think the answer is like, you know, we shouldn't have hardcore porn. We shouldn't have extreme porn. We shouldn't have, you know, these, these acts being shown to people because they're going to be in people's imaginations anyway. You know, like if they're not, if they're not on a porn site, they have to go somewhere more nefarious to find videos of it or they'll just think about it themselves. I think that we can use porn as like an, as like a inspiration uh, and like empowerment to, for like fantasies. We can do the most extreme stuff as long as we communicate with our partners and, you know, set up safe words, set up boundaries and talk about like, you know, uh, was it the, the the light system like red light, green light, amber, all that um, stuff? That, like, they, you take borrow that from the kink community and bring it into like a more vanilla bedroom. I think that's something that a lot of guys seem to be responding to because, well, I'm basically standing there saying you can have all the sex you want. You can have this like you know, degrading like whatever porn star experience with your partner, um, but you just need to ask them. And you'd be surprised at how many for me, how many women are into that? I talk to girls about these like depraved like porn videos that I've seen that I want to try. You'd be surprised how many people like are up for that, you know, with the right boundaries in place. No, definitely. And I, yeah, that's a very good point as well. It's like, we, we talked about it a few episodes ago. There was a, a group at my university um, that was called Porn Hurts. And it was like a meeting for like how to, I don't know, I don't know what their plan was to do, but it was just basically like, you know, a bunch of the stuff is um, non-consensual, which is true, which is why you should pay for your porn. Um, Mm. And, you know, and sex works is a traffic, like the typical um, miss... um, What's misconceptions that you know people have about porn and I sat down with yep. the head of it I was like have you ever spoken to a sex worker about porn and they're like oh mm. no and I was like maybe start there mm-hmm. like maybe start yeah. at the source <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I interviewed someone today who said they were, they were talking about porn and they said something along the lines of like yeah you know we're watching porn it means that we're we're watching some woman getting fucked who's like been abused her life her whole life and she's got like oh daddy issues God. that's why she's in porn and i was just like jesus christ like no 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 <laughs> that's not that's not when you talk about when you talk to these people that are that are anti porn the the trafficking thing always comes up same with um sex workers rights and uh, escorting as well whether we should legalize um you know escorting um trafficking always comes up it's like fucking hell yeah yeah, trafficking trafficking's a problem. We all agree about that. And like we need to deal with that. It's got nothing to do with porn or sex work in general. You know, it's like 
yes, they're traffic because of that, but uh, that we need to fix that problem. You know, don't use it to fix. You know, the, the to, to get rid of the ninety eight percent of porn, which is great and high budget, and people fucking love doing it, and they're making loads of money doing it, and it's ent- entertaining loads of people. You know. Yeah, yeah I like, think it's just a really fucking basic concept that sex work and sex trafficking are have literally nothing in common. And then right? like it's fucking basic, but you still have to say it. Yeah, and the fact that anyone even tries to put them in the same sentence is like yeah. I, it just like makes my fucking blood boil. Like literally consenting adults picking a profession who provides pleasure for consenting adults are people mm-hmm. who are raped, beaten, and dragged into something they had no part in. Like, how are you even trying to compare the fucking two? It makes me yeah. so angry. I was going to say, it's always the go-to. It's always the go-to argument that they have. Anyone that's anti-porn goes straight to trafficking or that or that the, the sex or the girls. The girls don't really want it. You know, they don't know what else is out there for them. It's like, they're getting paid fucking shitloads of money to have fun. Like, and a lot of them fucking love it. Uh, you've obviously never spoken to any of them. Like you say, exactly what you said. Yeah, like to bring it back to sort of the addiction analogy, like it would be like trying to ban alcohol because, you know, a handful of people um, are addicted to alcohol. I mean, they did try to do that. Yeah. It didn't work out well. Yeah. <laughs> and even people, yeah, that's the thing. Even people that aren't addicted to alcohol are very, are like, very damaging. Like alcohol is very fucking damaging to ourselves, to people around us. You don't have to be an alcoholic to fucking hurt someone when you're, when you're drunk, you know? Um, Porn is way less damaging than that. But no one's talking about banning alcohol because we all love a glass of wine, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, With your conversations around men, I feel like, you know, not all men has been a conversation for the past couple months. And I feel like it is consistently a dialogue between women and men and women like in into woman groups as well is it mm-hmm. has it been much of a conversation between you and other guys or have you noticed it in kind of the realm of men men only so i have but only because i'm crowbarring it in to conversation Good. so when i get guys on the podcast like, i make them talk to me about it you're like do you see that um, football match and, it, and not all men <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a really hard conversation to have. I had an amazing one today, um, with uh, a guy called Nat Powers, who is going to be on my podcast on the YouTube channel. You should definitely check it out. He is so good at deconstructing. We're, we're trying to deconstruct to- toxic masculinity, right? So we're both trying to kind of deprogram what's inside us. And we have some really, really fucking hard conversations. Um, and it hurts. It fucking hurts. Anyone that's had therapy, like good therapy, you know, it hurts. There's like there's like that art, that heartache that you get, and then you know that it's going to heal later and come back stronger. That's what some of the not old men conversations have. Like that's what they feel like, because I feel I feel like I'm a nice guy and I'm a good person. Um, but not all men isn't about that. It's about like this, this systemic misogyny that's programmed into us, and we don't even fucking realize it. Um, and it takes some like real graft, real effort to kind of talk about it and deconstruct it and figure out like how to make changes around you, you know? Um, and yeah, there's, there's a, there's a pyramid to this, you know, where the top of the pyramid is the people that, you know, just straight up hate women, uh, and, are you know, fucking awful people and scumbags. And then just below them are the people that kind of hate women. And then just below them are the people that sort of tolerate women. And at the bottom, probably the guys that are saying hashtag not all men. Um, but we're supporting those higher up people by not acting out properly. Like when, when your friend is whistling at a girl, you know, as you drive past, fucking call him out and tell him he's a fucking arsehole for doing that. Um, 
that's how we're going to fix it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a waste of time tweeting like hashtag normal men and trying to defend yourself. Like spend that energy on taking out someone else who is, you know, feeding this this kind of system. So is yeah. So sorry, you're that wasn't what you asked. Question is, yeah, I'm trying to make that conversation happen, but it's really fucking hard. Um, and it's hard to stand up to guys as well. I'm not a very like confident guy. I'm not a very intimidating guy. So when my friends, if I'm out with like a, a group of lads and they're like, you know, shouting stuff at girls, it's pretty fucking scary to tell them not to. So that's something I've spoken about as well. And me and you have spoken about it before, Danny. The, the, like the, I put something on Instagram about it, about how this stuff is like systemically programmed into men from the day we're born. Um, and someone who is really actively trying to work on it still can't get all this stuff out of their system. So I think there just needs to be like a little bit of um, like empathy for how much this has been programmed in men. And I, a lot of people read that and thought that I meant be nice to men, <laughs> which I didn't. This was my like big hashtag not all men post. I wasn't saying be nice to men. I was saying be respectful of the shit that has been like, you know, put in our ears our entire fucking life that, um, you know, women are supposed to be pursued and, you know, we're supposed to earn them. And it's a manly thing to like fuck loads of women and, you know, disrespect them and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I think there just needs to be a bit of respect with, you know, that, the, the, the strength of that, you know, um, I think maybe that's the kind of thing needs to happen. More conversations between men and women, about the things that women, you know, why why are women scared when walking down the street? Even if you're a nice guy walking behind them, like you might be wearing a nice sweater and you know look like Ned Flanders, but they're still probably a bit scared of you. Um, and also between men, like why are why are men scared of other men um, when walking down the street? You know, it, I don't know. It's just there's a lot to unpack. It's huge, um, and the not all men thing is just trying to hide away. I think it's they don't, they don't know they're trying to do that. They're trying. I think the people that are saying not all men are trying to say, "Hey, I'm one of the good guys. I'm trying to support you." They don't realize that more is needed than, than just saying that. You know, you need to be attacking these higher parts on the pyramid and calling people out for their bullshit. Yeah, I really like that analogy of the pyramid and how, yeah. like, even the bottom men are still supporting or making it, making it possible for these, like, you know, the top of the pyramid who openly hate yeah. women. Yeah, I Yeah, and if you I think sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say I think the not all men is like as you said, you know, nice guys trying to um shift blame from themselves or shift work from themselves. It's I understand why they might be doing that, right? Cuz they feel like they've been a good person and they've never like, you know, disrespected a woman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can you, you can understand why they're saying that, but it means they're missing the point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they they're missing the point. It's not it's not necessarily, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's not an attack on like these people in particular. It's just the whole thing. It's the whole system. It's the whole, you know, men have the capacity to be these assholes. It's not about picking out the nice little cherubs in that group. You know, it's the whole system and they, they don't see that. I think the not all men thing. And I'm guilty of that as well, because I probably would have thought the same thing a few years ago um, before I got into this space and learned what it actually meant. I would have been like, well, I'm not a fucking rapist. So I'm all right. I'm good. I'm on your side. But it's like, no, there's more. You need more than that. Yeah. I read this analogy before, and there was, like, I think a bunch of them online. One was, like, jelly-filled donuts. And there's, like, a box of 12 jelly-filled donuts. And, like, three of them are filled with shit. And then it's like, well, do you want some of the donuts? And they're like, no. But it's like, well, not all donuts are shit. And it's like, well, I don't want none of them. Like, yeah. So, which is, I think, how a lot of women, unfortunately, operate in the world, right? Where it's like, if only 20% of men 
don't have these nefarious intentions, like you're kind mm. of worried about all men because yeah, yeah. It's even just, if it's ninety percent men, ninety percent of men are great, ten percent men are scumbags. Like even if that's the split, it's still not worth it. Yeah, it's still not worth the risk. Yeah. So yeah, another one I heard was like the Russian roulette, like. Um, you know, it's, it's one in six that you're going to get shot, but you know, why why playing? Playing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, um, come to the point. Well, I mean, and it has of, it's not enough to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. It's not enough to not be a rapist. Mm. You have to be anti-rapist. Yeah. You, complacency yeah. is just as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, if you're sitting in the car with your buddy, who's like whistling and making a woman uncomfortable and you're sitting there, you're just as guilty for being complacent and not standing up. Yeah for the woman and, and stopping your buddy. Um, and yeah, I think that's like, exactly. that's yeah. definitely been one of the things I was like, it's almost hurt. It almost hurts more when like a guy is doing something shady and then you look at their friends and they're just like, sorry. It's like, ugh, like yeah, you could have yeah. been one of the good ones. Like you could have fucking done something there because yeah, physically you have more of a chance of standing up to him than I do. Um, yeah. And he has clearly more respect for you, but yeah. so yeah, we need allies. Yeah. hundred percent. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's it's no, go on, please. No, I was gonna say, and you know, I do, I do understand to a point of what you were saying was like we we do need ally, allies on the inside, and you, no one's gonna be a hundred percent perfect. No one's gonna call their friends out a hundred percent of the time. Um, so you know, you really are gonna, you know, catch more flies with honey, and so you know. We, I feel like I do understand, you know, we do need to kind of give a little bit of lenience to the men that are actually trying, but we do need to see that active attempt. Yeah. It's not lenience. I think lenience is a strong word. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think more of these conversations need to happen. I think Mm -hmm. it needs to be more like, you know, Hey, could you please call your friend out when he does something a bit shit rather than fuck all men you know it's yeah. just i just think that's that's like more the way to go because it because you like i understand fuck all men but you know you need to guys need to know what to do we need a bit of direction i think we need to be pointing in a direction and if we can say see your friend who keeps fucking you know disrespecting that that woman she keeps you know he keeps wolf whistling at people on the street fuck that guy you it's your job because you're his friend to go fuck that guy <laughs> tell him not to do that <laughs> um, that's you know a bit of direction is good i think because yeah, these people, again, these people that are saying not all men, they think I'm not the problem, so, I, you know, there's nothing I can do. Um, but, yeah, we need active change. The, a, really, a really good example of this working, I think, is using the word gay as uh, a as an insult. So when I was growing up, that was that was the word. Something was gay if it was if it was bad. You just said, yeah, that's gay. Um, and that that was it. And all my friends used it. Everyone around me used it. The area in London that I grew up in, that was that was the word that meant bad stuff. And then obviously I've grown up, stayed in London, um, surrounded by all different you know genders, cultures, ethnicities. It's amazing. So I learned that you don't fucking say that. <laughs> that's that's a really bad thing to say. And all it took was for me to say it once, and one person to go, I oh, don't say that. Like, just to completely cut this, the conversation in half, you know what I mean? Like, we're all having a laugh and a joke, and for them to just say, don't say that, that's, that's not cool. And that's all it takes. It's just a fucking seed. And then over, like, a year, two years, three years later, me and all my friends are, like, calling each other out for saying gay as an, as a, as an, as an insult. And now it's gone. It's left my vocabulary in that way. So um, that's how you do it. Uh, you just got to, yeah, call them out. you got to cut them short, shit, you know, when bad shit happens. Definitely. Yeah, I remember um, an ex of mine was very much 
um, <laughs> not very like aware of how do I say it? Like culturally forward, like not very culturally forward, not very like quote, mm-hmm. not yeah, culturally uh, forward. PC. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, politically correct PC, as a kid say woke, and um, he would often <laughs> say like, "Oh, that's fucking gay." <laughs> He's like a very yeah. large white man, and um, and we were like, I would constantly be like, "Hey, like." I don't care to hear it. Like, as someone who identifies, even if I didn't identify as bisexual, like, it's still fucking rude. Um, and I, like, break it down mm. for him. Like you said, like, you know, if you're using it as an insult, you're saying that being gay is bad. Like, and that's, like, you're going to break it down to what the real basic concept of what you're using it as. Yeah. Right? So he's like, oh, okay. And then I remember we, had a, we were at a party one time and all his, like, bros were in the kitchen. And he's like, you're fucking gay, blah, blah, blah. And I, like, looked at his, like, gave him my book that I do to my partners. And he was like... Danny doesn't want us saying that anymore. <laughs> no, that doesn't count. You can't but say you Danny know what? It was a step that. in the right direction because he yeah, was no, like, true. I'm yeah, going to stand good. up to these men who are saying it. And I was like, you will get your dick sucked tonight. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've earned that blowjob yeah. in cream pie. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the thing, though. Like, it is scary. Like, he's in a friend with all his, he's in a, he's in a room with all his bros and they're like having a laugh and he has to be the one that stands up and tells them to stop laughing at something. It's fucking scary. But. Yeah. You know, scary shit leads to good shit. Yeah. And, and he, he got means, a blowjob, really. Yeah. And even if he's doing it for, like, that anal sex at the end of the night, like, it's still, like, <laughs> one step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. You've exactly. learned Maybe that this is how we do it. Maybe if, we should all just, if everyone just, like, pairs off with a fucking idiot guy and we just slowly do this, we just offer yeah. blowjobs for uh, interrupting fuckboys. Um, that's terrible advice. Come out. <laughs> 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 free blowjobs for everyone who's learning <laughs> <laughs> if you've learned that gay doesn't mean bad stuff you get butt stuff yeah. honestly if that yeah. doesn't get me into heaven I don't know what will <laughs> doing the Lord's work the Lord's work <laughs> <laughs> sucking my way to heaven <laughs> um, so do <anyhow>, uh, <laughs> what are um, some things to know if you're dating a sex addict mmm I would say the number one thing is that they're not trying to remove sex from their lives completely. Uh, this isn't the same as, yeah, alcohol or drug addiction. They're not working towards, you know, years of sobriety <laughs> and never having sex again. They're trying to have a healthy relationship with sex. Um, I would say that quite early on in my recovery, and actually probably right now, I'm not, I'm not seeing anyone at the moment, which makes it a bit easier. But at the, at the start of my recovery, I was. I was in a relationship. Um, and my libido would go up and down quite a lot because you're, you're dealing with your sexuality in therapy. Um, and it's quite, uh, I'm not traumatic, but like anything in therapy, anyone who's had therapy, um, first off, well done, free blowjob for you. Um, secondly, it's like you have this like pain (laughs) when you you kind of, when you, yeah, I'm giving out blowjobs. Jamie's offering. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, betterhelp.com forward slash let's talk about sex, Jamie. Sign up with that code and I'll give you a blowjob. Um, you heard it here first. But yeah, anyone that's had therapy, anyone that has therapy you know that it, a good session is one that breaks you in half uh, and you leave feeling like hollow and like there's a lump in your throat and you're just like, Ugh, and then like the next couple of days it heals up again. Um, I feel like I kind of went through that a few times, but with like my dick, <laughs> like not physically, but like your libido Broke is dick in half. <laughs> Yeah, my dick was cutting up. That's how you really fix a sex addiction. Yeah, it's like aversion therapy for sex addicts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it went up and down and like, you know, sometimes I would feel hundred percent fine to have sex and my partner was a bit apprehensive. She's like, Oh no, is this, is this okay? I get a lot of comments as well. Like I'm working with brands with the podcast and they like sent me sex toys and I've had someone ask, am I like enabling your addiction by sending you a sex toy? <laughs> I think it's like people, which is nice. It comes from a good place. But I think people assume that like, we're just, you know, all sex addicts. Well, I mean, some people will be, but all, not all sex addicts will be like completely like fucking, you know, insatiable animals that are just looking for anything to fuck. Just like, oh, anything that's circular, give me it. Um, that's not the case. I think uh, the sex addicts I've spoken to anyway, and the porn addicts I've spoken to, we're trying to find a place of zen somewhere in the middle. We're trying to find a healthy, peaceful reconciliation with our sex drives. Um, and that's one thing I'd say, yeah, people should just be aware of. I would think as someone on the other side of that relationship, someone who is dating, <clears throat> someone who is struggling with sex addiction and maybe this is just me and my own insecurities, I think I'd be worried about, you know, are they here for me or are they here because it's, you know, readily available sex? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's a very real thing to think of in those situations. Yeah, it's an interesting phrase, readily available sex. That's a really, yeah, interesting way to put it. I never thought about it like that because I guess a relationship is that. It's kind of sex on tap, right? But I mean, you can get sex on tap nowadays anywhere, right? You can you can just have a you, bunch of yeah. like, yeah, just go on just go on Tinder or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think if someone is identifying as a sex addict and they're seeking help for it, that should be applauded because they're trying to find a healthy relationship with sex. You know, if they if they were only with you for the sex and they weren't dealing with it, they weren't seeking help. That, that's a problem, you know, that's a red flag. But I think anyone who's seeking help for it, they want to be healed. No one goes to, you know, no one, first off, no one will just say they're a sex addict um, without like even a small part of them thinking it's a problem because, you know, people will just say, I've got such a high sex drive if they don't think it's a problem. They won't use the word addict, you know. Um, so I think if someone's seeking help, it means they're trying to find a healthy relationship with it. And you just need to communicate. You just need to talk loads. Like, while they're in therapy, they're being taught how to fucking communicate with themselves. They can communicate with you better, so just talk to them about it, you know? Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, I think a lot of people that go through this are probably in monogamous relationships um, and have cheated, and that's why they're seeking help. So I think a lot of, a lot of partners will probably find that out. And um, if you love that person and, you know, respect that they're going to seek help, then, yeah, support them. Uh, also don't feel like you have to if you want to leave leave i've seen that as well I, I had a friend who she got cheated on and she was like fuck that guy i'm gonna fucking leave him i'm done with him and then he said he was a sex addict and that was why it happened and it made her think twice because she was like well okay so that means that it might not be completely his fault which would be true if he was a sex addict and he then went and got help and got therapy and stuff and um they started working on it again but it, 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 I worry about saying that out loud because I don't want guys to use that as an excuse to like keep a girl around, you know, which I think is happening way more than is than are like actual sex addicts happening, you know what I mean? Which is why I want to talk about it so much because I, I, I know loads of guys are using it as an excuse and I really want sex addiction to be seen as the same as like uh, drug addiction. If your friend joked about being a drug addict, I don't think you'd, you'd laugh that much. You know, but if your friend joked about being a sex addict, it can be laughed off, you know, a, a bit easier. Um, so I want to get to a place where if someone, let's say, for example, a fuckboy in a relationship who cheats on his girlfriend says he's a sex addict, I want to take that really fucking seriously. 
and not laugh it off and not be like, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, these things happen. It's like, okay, if you think you're a sex addict and that's the reason you're giving me for why you're cheating on this person, then are you seeking help? Do you want, do you want direction? You know, this podcast, let's talk about sex, Jamie. He talks about uh, what you can do about sex addict uh, a lot. You should go listen to that. Uh, <laughs> I heard help, he has know? these two really awesome girls on it too. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. One day he'll on. <laughs> um, yeah, two just things I'm just pondering and not necessarily questions, but more rhetorical rhetorical comments. Um, mm. One, I wonder... That was a really polite way of telling me to shut up. No, please, please don't talk back to me right now. Please ask really questions. Like, we don't need your fucking response. Uh, I'm just going to say something. Shut up. <laughs> Our turn. <laughs> no. Um, more so, I don't even know if it's an answerable question, but um, how it would look if you were a sex worker... Like, would, you know, would that be, like, a way of kind of profiting off your addiction? Because you get nothing but validation in sex work, and you get nothing but people wanting your dick. Um, You know, where does that become, like, well, that's kind of a good way to turn it where it's now it's profiting, your addiction? Or is it now it's a dangerous realm of, like, you're not getting the help you need, but you're profiting from it? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it a pro or a con to, like... Yeah, it's a good question. I, I started I started doing some sex work this year, um, so it's come up quite a lot, actually. And, uh, yeah, my friends who care about me were like, wait, so you're now getting paid to, to, to do sex stuff. That sounds like the worst combination ever. <laughs> but for me, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but, like, for me, my sex work doesn't feel like my sex life is different. Um, I can. You're both, nodding, you're both nodding. You're both nodding. Perfect synch- sync. Yeah, that's good. We're in sync there. Yeah. So for me, yeah, it's it's, it's something else. It's just detached. Um, in the same way that you know, a one night stand for me is different to sex with a partner. Um, it's just, they're just two. It's two different things. So I don't feel like my addiction is being fed by my sex work. Um, but again, it's, yeah, like you say, it's probably different for everyone. Right. Uh, what kind of areas of sex work have you dabbled in? Um, well, there are some, there are, there are some that I'm willing to talk about on the podcast and some that I haven't quite built up the courage to yet, but, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of FinDom stuff this year. Um, yeah, with, uh, with some guys. Uh, I will be pausing this podcast and asking you what the other ones are. Yeah, (laughs) we will get the nitty gritty out of (laughs) it. Wait, are you saying tell you now or are you saying tell you after? No, 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 we'll tell you after. Yeah. Because I think we've yeah, earned it. Our, our listeners haven't earned yet. <laughs> so one of the last questions here before we get into our rapid fire, what are some common misconceptions or stereotypes regarding sex addiction? Common misconceptions. I think um, that sex addicts can't dabble in any sexual activity whatsoever. So we can't masturbate. We can't watch porn. We can't do anything. We can't have healthy sexual relationships we can't have partners that's not true um yeah like i said before it's it's all about us living with a healthy relationship to sex um and not letting it consume us and uh for me it was yeah trying to find validation from all aspects of life not just hot girls um though i still get a lot of validation from hot girls it fucking sucks <laughs> i'm trying to, no trying to work on that. <laughs> little she devils <laughs> <laughs> So before we let you go, we're going to ask three rapid fire questions. The first one mm. being, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet, but want to try? 
Oh, fucking hell. Uh, since we've been talking about it, I'm going to say visiting an escort. Um, an escort or a prostitute? We call them escorts over here. I'm not sure what the distinction is. Yeah, so an escort is someone who is paid time, so someone you would pay to go for a date with. And then a prostitute is someone who's actual paid sexual act. So someone who would actually do something sexually with you. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, prostitute then. We'll send you some numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Second one here. What is one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? Oh. Dressing up. So I tried dressing up. I I was I was in like a like a like a uh, like a business person's like shirt and like trousers and shit, which was super uncomfortable for me because I've never worked a proper job in my life. Like I've only ever worked in like music and games, and so I've never had to wear that. So I wore like this like yeah, almost a suit thing, and she wore like a French maid outfit. And I fucking hated it. It was so cringy. I couldn't let go. I couldn't get into like the role play aspect. And I was like, no, this is not for me. But I'm glad I tried it, but I'll never do it again. So yeah, dressing up. Dressing up and role play or one or the other, both? I've not properly tried role play. I think I'd like to try role play. But no costumes. <laughs> no costumes. I mean, maybe the costumes would be okay if there was role play, you know, because they have context. It's not yeah. just like, well, we're here now and we're dressed in weird clothes. Let's have sex. Oh, so yeah. there's no role play with you weren't like the businessman who came home early to find like the maid still cleaning. Oh, so you guys did it there was wrong. no background. <laughs> yeah, you no, guys need a whole like script. Sub, it was like subtext. <laughs> we didn't actually act it out. It's a silent movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to pay some guy to play piano in the corner. <laughs> You got like rigs and lighting set up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Okay, well, we'll send you over a script. Um, <laughs> and your last one here. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, my God. Um, Time's ticking. <laughs> maybe I just have... I got one. I got one. I would say that uh, they had this thing in the UK called Ann Summers Parties which were like, I don't know if you had them, but it was like a bunch of women would meet up and they'd all like try out sex toys with each other and not with each other. Like, you know, it was like a salesman thing. Someone would come and present them all and they'd all buy sex toys. And that was happening to girls that were like 18, 19 when I was growing up. And there's no such thing for guys. And I think guys need that. I think guys need to get into sex toys way earlier and they need to learn themselves and discover themselves because it would just lead to better sex. Sorry, I'm talking really quickly so I don't think I have long left. We don't actually time it. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't time you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then I, will, then I will drop this in. I'm bringing out a fucking sex toy sometime next year. And I think it should be every penis owner's first sex toy. Um, it's like, it doesn't go in your butt. It's not weird. It's not a huge, like, vulva on a stick. Um, it's something, like, I think that every teenage boy, like, on their 18th birthday should be given because it will teach them how to kind of learn themselves, explore their bodies. Um, and, yeah and have better sex and be better lovers right. Ugh, better lovers i've never said that phrase before in my life that was really cringy don't know why that came out six tupperware <laughs> parties for men yeah they, they do they <laughs> potlucks um they do have sex they're called like kind of sex toy parties um they're used to be really popular i, I feel like, like they still <laughs> yours is better they still have them quite a bit here but i've never heard them um for like kind of a male user um but yeah, yeah. I, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it is out by the time this episode comes out. If it's not, when it does come out, you'll have to 
send us a message and we'll promote it on our, our page so listeners can yeah, buy it I'll for their partners. Yeah, I'll send you some. I'll send you some. You can try out on your favorite penises and let yeah. me know how they go. Yeah. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it out on my other sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask and <laughs> <laughs> love that for us alright Jamie before we let you go where can people find you uh, you can find me on Instagram at let's talk about sex Jamie awesome and Riley where can people find you you can find me on Instagram at underscore Riley Divine and as always you can find me on Instagram at 50 plus a tip or email at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com slide to the DMs with any emails questions comments anything you want to get at me Jamie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Lucky we finally got to get this. Got to get this. We got, we got, to, got, to, get this. got to get this. We finally got to get this. <laughs> we get got it and we got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the struggle is real. All right. Well, we're really happy that we could have you on. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Thanks. There. Thanks. Thank you for not tearing me apart. I was fully ready to be attacked uh, by two angry women that look like, sex addiction isn't real. It's just fuck boys. Uh, so thank you for being pleasant and yeah. open-minded. You know, I, I don't know if you've actually listened to the podcast, Jamie, but I feel like we're pretty respectful. <laughs> you really yeah, try I, to be. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> awesome. Well. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Bye. Bye.